Hey there, Habs fans, Habs maniacs, Habs lunatics out there in Habs land. Welcome to What the Fuck is Wrong with the Habs, a podcast series that will examine, illuminate, and potentially identify some of the key reasons why the Montreal Canadiens, the most storied franchise in the history of hockey, have been a dumpster fire of an organization for the past 26 years. So sit back, put your feet up, grab a beer, smoke a joint, do whatever you have to do to get a little relaxed, and I'll be back in a few minutes with what the fuck is wrong with the Habs. Clock's about to turn midnight. Another day in Habsland. Another loss in Habsland. The team has won 13 of 31 home games this year. 13 of 31 home games. Jeff Molson's uh, little experiment uh, with the fan experience thing hasn't really paid off. It hasn't worked out. Strange to say, but tonight after uh, the Habs lost to the Arizona Coyotes playing with their backup goalie because uh, Kemper was injured in the pre-skate, they managed to come back from a 2 nothing deficit early and pretty much controlled most of the game and ended up with a late, late goal, power play goal, to win 3-2. Jeff Molson after tonight's game. There was no, uh, there was no presence on Twitter. There was uh, nothing to really pick at. It's just another day in Habsland. Turn on the radio. TSN six ninety. They were laughing about something. I'm not sure what it was. Something somebody said. Had nothing to do with the current state of the Montreal Canadiens. But it was a funny thing that somebody said in the locker room or during an interview. So we killed, you know, 10 minutes with that. And that's about as long as I lasted before I turned off the radio. There's no connection anymore to reality. It's just how much of a fan are you? How big of a fan are you? How uh, not discerning of a fan are you? Maybe I should remind people, people listening, people that have been watching this team play for a long time, people have played, that have played hockey themselves for a long time, people that have been huge, huge hockey fans for a long time, Maybe we all need a little bit uh, of a reminder sometime. Montreal, the city of Montreal, are you all paying attention? Yeah, we invented the fucking game. And now we're all kind of sitting back 
gauging how excited we are with the possibility of what the team might look like in three, four years. After 26 years of failure, we're looking towards your 31 down the road saying, hey, you never know. Uh, that kid in Finland might be good. Uh, that kid in Russia might sign any day. Any day now, He's gonna, the, the Canadians, uh, one of the beautiful th things about Twitter is that you, make, you get to meet a lot of people around the world and I was lucky enough to... Uh, to come into contact with two people who are in Russia and who watch KHL games and who post stuff on Twitter through Habs on the Prize. Uh, I don't want to mispronounce his name, but I think it's Patrick Bruxel, but I don't want to mispronounce his name. If you find him on Twitter, terrific Habs follow on Twitter. Terrific. You know, he he's kind of in, in the zone there in the European market. So he gets a chance to see a lot of uh, Habs prospects coming up. So maybe Romanov is coming up, so that's good to see. And um, I have no idea what's going on in the city anymore. I mean, today I was on Twitter and um, I was distracted a little bit because uh, I don't want to mention names. I don't want to mention media names because I don't want this podcast to be a targeting thing. I have no interest in that. I am not here to make friends. And I'm not here to make enemies either. That is not the purpose of this. The reason that I started this podcast, and I'll be completely honest with, with, with everybody listening, is because the stuff that I'm saying, the stuff that I'm thinking, the stuff that I'm feeling, I don't hear it anywhere else. If I read it in the newspaper, if I, if I saw it on Twitter from media guys, if I, if I heard it on the radio, there would be no need for me to even talk about this. But since nobody's talking about it, I go, yeah, okay, whatever. The schmuck over here in Park X will talk about it. So here I am talking about it. So on Twitter today, the Canadians were brutal, absolutely brutal. You watch that game and you go, the Canadians are literally the same team they were 11 years ago. They're a bunch of hockey players with Carey Price. That's it. You can pick and choose which of those hockey players are your favorites. But without that guy in that, you got nothing. You got, you got literally the New Jersey Devils. That's who you are. So, watching the game today, I love watching the game and, and following it through Twitter because it's, it's a great way to kind of connect with a whole bunch of people who are watching the same adventure you're watching. So, watching the game and all of a sudden through my Twitter feed, here comes some random tweet from some guy, some hockey media guy. I don't want to mention names. It's fortunate. And here, and he... Because Jake Evans scored, and it always happens when you, whenever one of the young kids does something, automatically there's like four or five media guys who are going to pull some sort of positive thing about that. So here comes this random tweet about how the Canadians have been uh, really good at finding seventh rounders. And uh, per capita on the rest of the league, they're far ahead. And I'm thinking to myself, what kind of garbage is this? What does that even mean? It means nothing. But it's thrown out there to cast a positive light on a management team that is an absolute failure. And we keep doing this. We keep patting them on the back and puffing up their shoulders. And every time they make a little positive step, it's like, uh, throw the parade time. So I'm sitting there on Twitter. I'm going, what the hell is this? What is this nonsense? What can't you just focus on the game, see the things that are good, you know, point out, you know, some positive things that are really positive things, not hopefully positive things. I mean, Jake Evans scored today. 
And and when Paul Byron comes back, he's probably going to be sent to Laval. So that whole tweet about seventh rounders, blah, 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 equals one goal in the NHL. But, you know, a little positivity. I love that positivity. The older I get, it seems that the more the more interested I am in that, that pointless positivity. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just a, a thing of age. But the older you get, the more you realize, what the hell are you being so positive about? It's not college sports. It's not high school sports where we feel good about the kid because he learned something and he's going to be a better person because of it. This is professional sports, million-dollar salaries, billion-dollar industry. And we're, we're treating it like it's some sort of high school theater event. You know, dude, don't, don't say anything negative about the director of the, the high school musical because, you know, he's, he's, they're, doing, they're doing a good job. You know, it's, it's not that hard, to, it's not that easy to, uh, you know, to get a whole bunch of kids and teach them how to memorize the line. I have no idea what we're talking about anymore when I'm watching the Montreal Canadiens. Once again, I don't want to mention names, but I, I could literally, in the back of my mind now, I have like 15 different examples that I can mention. But the nonsense that, that gets passed off as hockey analysis in this city. In no other market do you find this. I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I lived in Toronto for a little bit, and I lived in New York for a little bit. So I got a sense of, you know, sports in different cities, big market cities, and how media kind of, without even thinking about it, but just kind of, just by absorbing it, you get a sense of it. And in, in big markets, when the teams are not doing good, the media is not friendly. Over here, we're over-friendly. The worst things get. It's like we're, we're afraid to offend anybody. Anyways, and the, the reason I'm, I'm kind of throwing the media thing out there is because it affects the fans. It affects how the fans think. It affects what the fans think is important. And we all kind of lose track of, you know, we're all just trying to be, you know, a competitive hockey team trying to win or trying to compete for the Stanley Cup. Forget about the winning thing. We're so far away from the winning thing. I'll be happy if if we win a playoff series. I'll be seriously honest to anybody that hates my guts out there. As long the moment that Mark Bergevin in this 2.0, 3.0 reset, retool, rebuild thing, the moment he wins a playoff series, I'm off his back. I'm off his back. Even if the next five years are complete failure, I'll be off his back. Because in my opinion, this team is never winning a playoff series. Not the way it's, it's constructed and not the way it's going to be constructed in the future. We're all looking at these, these young kids in Finland and Russia and, and hopefully they'll come along. And, Jor and Jor Jordan Harris had a really hell of a game today and hopefully he comes along. And, and we don't stop to think that this team could literally had Weber, Petrie, Sergachev, and Quinton Hughes playing on it right now. Right this second, those guys could be playing on this team. But we're, we're, we're all so, so, so kind of, I don't want to say fixated, but we're all kind of, we've accepted losing so easily. We just cherry pick positive things that might happen in the future. And that's what we've been reduced to in Montreal. Kind of all of us have specialized crystal balls. What is your crystal ball, crystal ball set? What year is your, what, what, what magical year is, is being pointed on your crystal ball? You know what mine says? Yeah, it says never. The way things are going. Never. Absolutely never. The way things are going. There's no, you know, guarantee for the future. But the way things are going, this team is going nowhere.
Anyways, I wasn't planning to get too excited, too riled up. But you you kind of, the more you're kind of stuck in the environment watching this team and how how the the, the ecosystem around it is kind of functioning and you're going, oh my lord, oh my lord, it's like, I don't think anybody wants to win anymore here in the city, you know? I mean, God forbid uh, we get rid of the French people who are managing things. That's not going to happen. So we're, we're kind of stuck there. Can't can't say anything about that anymore because you're being uh, you you. I've 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 actually been accused by some people on Twitter, Habs Media guys. I'm not going to say names because once again, I'm not here to uh, to pick fights. But I've actually been accused on Habs Media of being racist. Dude, my last two girlfriends were French. Literally 90% of my friends are French. I've been accused of being racist for pointing out the fucking biased system that we have here. If you say that, hey, listen, why are the Montreal Canadiens the only sports organization in professional sports that is kind of forced to pick within a province? You know, we're kind of, we have have geographically located kind of, you know, a certain segment that we cannot go beyond. This is it. Dude, you can't leave this neighborhood. This is the only neighborhood that you're allowed to travel in, okay? If you leave that neighborhood, you're going to be tased. But, yeah, I've been accused of being a racist for pointing that out. And I'm, like, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, first of all, that's not how racism works. That's number one. And second is like, that's how it, Orwellian it's becoming. Where things are gonna, where the truth is gonna be thrown back at you in a, in a completely different way. It's like that's not the mirror. I don't know what kind of mirror you got there. You got some sort of funny circus mirror there, but that's not a mirror. And it's this continuation of, you know, these insignificant things that we focus on just to make us feel better about the team. You know, and I'm gonna give you like a, a classic example. And now that I'm looking, this tweet was posted like three three hours ago. I'm not going to give names. I'm not going to give Twitter handles. Once again, I'm not here to point anybody out. It's pointless. If you want to point at me, no problem. I could take it. I've been through a lot of shit in my life, and I got no issue whatsoever. I could fucking handle it. So you want to come at me? No problem, buddy. You know? Yeah, be prepared. Anyways, I'm going to read a tweet here just to give you a kind of an example of how delusional the Habs fan base has become and how this fan base is kind of pushed to this delusion, kind of pushed towards the edge of, you know, by the media in the city, a big chunk of them, a huge freaking chunk of them. This is the tweet. Bergevin's five biggest trades. Tatar, Suzuki, Norlinder, Laguerriere for Pacioretty. Weber versus Subban. Domi versus Galchenyuk. Petrie versus second and fourth picks. Dano Romanov versus Wies Fleischmann. And the guy ends his tweet with, maybe he knows what he's doing. And this tweet right now, at this, at this moment that I'm, that I'm saying this, has close to 200 likes. 200 on Twitter. Let's break down the tweet for a little bit. That's uh, the fancy uh, terminology nowadays is, let's unpack it and see what we got here. The first one, we got Tatar... Suzuki, Norlinder, Laguerriere, Pacioretty. All right. You got Pacioretty trade, and you picked up Tatar, Suzuki, Norlinder, and Laguerriere. Awesome. 
let's go back in time and try to remember uh, who Pacioretty was. What kind of a hockey player was on he was on this team? How many years he scored 30 goals on this team? How many years the guy was crying out for some help on this team? So yes, when you didn't want to trade, when you didn't want to sign him again, you don't want to give him the money. Other general managers say, oh, a 30-goal uh, perennial scorer there. Yeah, big boy, we'll take him. Yeah, you want some kids that probably, you know, he's not going to play because we have other three, three other centers in this team? Yeah, you could have uh, Suzuki. And you could have Tatar too. We tried to pick him up, didn't help us out. You could have him. Did the trade work out? Yes. Did it improve your hockey team? Absolutely not. The Canadians, as I'm speaking now, they're 20th in the NHL. If, if at the time you had the ability to, to advance the team a little bit and give Pacioretty some help, maybe you never would have gotten to the point where you had to trade him. Weber versus Subban is the second one the guys the guys think. Dude, Weber today, they announced the swelling still hasn't gone down. He's not making the trip with the team. He's not going to play for at least another week. That's two and a half weeks. He's, pro he's probably done for the season. And even if he's not done for the season, by the time he comes back, this team, the way it is right now, unless Price uh, literally has a 1.00 goals against average for the next 10 games, they're going to win four, win five, lose four, lose five. They, that's who they are. So season's done. So four years of Weber, literally, you know what you have? You have one playoff series, dude. You have two playoff wins in four years with Weber. So how trading Subban, who with him on your team, you went to the, to the conference finals, made you a better hockey team four years later when you still can't even make the playoffs, I have no idea, but it's listed there as number two on the list. Number three, Domi versus Galchenyuk. Dude, who signed Galchenyuk? Who drafted Galchenyuk? The same guy that you're giving props for for trading Galchenyuk. Great. You had a number three pick overall. You ended up with Domi, who's having a really bad year. And today, Zucker was traded from Minnesota to Pittsburgh for a first rounder, Galchenyuk, and a freaking prospect. And Pittsburgh, before they pulled the trigger with Minnesota, they came to Brugge uh, Brugge. And they said uh, they were asking about Domi. Which is literally what I was saying two freaking podcasts ago. This guy, he, he, it's obvious he doesn't fit on this team. So other teams see that. That you know, Maybe that Domi guy, he's probably he's an RFA. Maybe he's available. The Canadians are kind of loaded in that small winger center thing. So they came to uh, Berge for, you know, to make an offer. I'm not going to say I know what the hell the offer was. But it was definitely a first and something. Maybe Berge heard Galchernik's name and he, uh, you know, he, whoa, can't go there anymore. Yeah, that, that barn door is closed. Yeah, nothing happening there anymore. Can't do that. So the Canadians lose today. They lose more ground in the playoffs. The only reason they're kind of still in it is because Florida and, and Toronto are kind of backpedaling their way into the, the the last 20 games of the season. So things are still kind of you know staying close-ish. But the team looked brutal today. They looked brutal against Toronto, even though they won. You know, it's like... Desperation of hockey is hilarious. Desperation of hockey. Okay, back to the thing. Petrie versus second and fourth. At that time, there's no doubt about it. When Mark Bergman first took over this team, that guy was was heading towards legendary status. He was trending towards legend. 
GM legend, Sam Pollock kind of legend. That's where he was heading early on. When he picked up Vanek, he realized the Canadians needed some toughness, so he so he added Prust to the team. You know, that guy was heading towards that thing, that, that glory thing. You know, and then you know what happened? Yeah, you, know, you know what happened? Yeah, he freaking brought in Michel Therrien. That's what happened. And Michel Therrien was like, okay, let's switch things up a little bit. We need more veterans on the third, fourth line there. And we started from there with the Flins and the Mitchells and the Chapoos and the Agostinis and the, and the, and the Steve Otts. And, uh, I could just list them. There's a four of them on this, on this team this, right now, you know, the Cousins and the, and the Thompsons. It never ends. Mark Bergman seems every single trade deadline, he, he's retooling the fourth line. Now, is he going to do the same thing this year? Who the hell knows? I think we have enough fourth liners now, so he's, he's kind of set. He's got good fourth line veterans now. He's got the Cousins, the Thompsons, Byron's coming there now. Yeah, has this team taken a step forward? Absolutely not. In, in no sense have they taken a step forward. Have they added some more prospects to their prospects pool? Absolutely. What have they done to get the more prospects to in, into their prospects pool? What have they done to get there? You know what they've done? Nothing. They've sucked. So they had higher draft picks. And when you have higher draft picks, you have a higher, higher chance of drafting somebody who's actually good. They've done nothing. Nothing. They still patchwork, try to win this year, kind of uh, mentality that Bergevin has. You have a team that's so small. The forwards are so small. You have a chance to get rid of Domi and get a first rounder, maybe somebody, some, some other young kid, a little bit bigger. And you don't pull the trigger. You're 20th in NHL. What are you waiting for? How's Domi going to help you out next year? If you sign Kovalchuk, who's going to produce way more than Domi's going to produce. So if you sign Kovalchuk, you don't have the money to re-sign Domi. Because if you throw $4 million, $5 million at Domi and you re-sign Kovalchuk for three and a half, you literally don't have a penny to spend on defense. So what you see this year is what you're going to see next year. Unless magic happens and Romanov shows up. You cannot base your future on what young, some young kid in Russia is going to do. I'm looking at the NHL tonight, and Vancouver is playing Nashville. At the time that I'm uh, recording this, it was 4-2. I don't know what the score is now. And I'm watching Quentin Hughes on the ice. I'm, I'm going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He, he's got the puck on a stick like it's a freaking yo-yo. His edge work. His stamina. It is absolutely ridiculous. I turn to the Tampa Bay game. I see Sergeyev on the ice. Lays out a kid with a ridiculous hit, gets up, and feeds a freaking breakaway pass. And then I watch the Canadians game. They have a five on three man, uh, five uh, on three advantage on the power play. Watching Joanne on the ice. And uh, every single time he had a chance to shoot the puck, he turned it down. 
you fed bas- back passes to the point. Instead of taking a shot, trying to feed a cross-ice pass between 15 six, sticks. And when you see that tweet from the fan pointing out all Bergevin's great tweets, and I, I, I keep seeing it everywhere. It's like, this move was great, and that move was great, and this move was freaking awesome. Can you believe that, man? Can you believe what we did there? Incredible. Dude, we got Caulfield at number 14. Dude, you got Caulfield at number 14 because you, you finished 17th overall in the league. What's so exciting about that? Yeah, there was a kid available. You picked him up. Great. Congratulations. Are you going to bring Caulfield, who's like five foot six, on this tiny team? You're insane. You're absolutely insane as a general manager. You, you're going you're gonna to put Caulfield between who? Tatar and Domi and Joanne and Lekanen and Gallagher. Are you freaking insane? He's going to be swallowed up. His ability to, to create is gonna be is gonna be diminished to a point where he's he's not even gonna look like an NHL hockey player. This is what we're doing though. This is where we're heading. Cause we have a management team here that is I've never seen anything worse than this. Scouting for fourteen years, which is absolute garbage. Your pro scouting department is absolute garbage. Your general manager makes these peripheral trades, these side moves where he's repainting the shutters, you know, on the freaking garage door. And people are excited because maybe he knows what he's doing. When's that, when is that great knowledge going to kick in exactly? What year is that going to kick in? Because if you think this next year is going to be better than this year, I have uh, some potatoes to, to sell you. They're they're growing some stuff on them. There's stuff growing out of them, but yeah, they're, they're gonna still eat them. How, how are they gonna how, how are they gonna compete for anything next year with this team? Like I told you before, if you're gonna sign Domi, he's an RFA. He's gonna make more than he's gonna make next next year. He's gonna make more than he made this year. He's not gonna go backwards. So if you're gonna sign him to four or four and a half million, and then you want to sign Kovachuk to four around there. Yeah, you got no money to improve your team. It is what it is now. That's who you are. And that's, if that's a team you're looking at and you're saying, hey, listen, you never know. You stay healthy the whole year. You never know. You stay healthy the whole year. You never know what. what? Instead of 19, they got to finish 16. Instead of 21st, they got to finish 14. What are we talking about here? What is the aim of this? What is the point of this? If we're analyzing the games, what are we analyzing? Are we just analyzing individual games? That's it. Take a snapshot of the game, talk about it for a few hours, move on to the next game. Or are we analyzing the team that we adore, hopefully seeing them compete for something once again before we all get old? So whenever you have a situation where there's a quarter of a century where you haven't even come close to playing an important hockey game, I mean, we could we could say that this game was kind of important that day, but that's that's the beauty of time, you know. You kind of gauge what's really important and what's eh, wasn't that that important after all. This organization hasn't played an important hockey game in a quarter of a century. We got a management crew that's heading into year nine, 
and they're going backwards. They had a decent core at the beginning, had a couple of decent runs, started picking at the core, got a new core now, can't make the playoffs. Our defense is about as average as you could possibly think a defense could be with an aging superstar who can't finish an entire season. And people think that next year is going to be the year. Oh, next year is going to be a beauty. Let me tell you. Jeff Molson is going to have uh, some work to do next year. He's going to have a new PR department to, uh, to fill out. Anyways, I've rambled on for a good 30 minutes, I think. Just venting a little bit, getting some things off my chest. Hopefully some things that I say are some things that you guys are also thinking at the same time. If, if you disagree with me, please let me know, you know. Because sometimes you might get stuck in a, in a bubble of positivity, and sometimes you might get stuck in a, in a bubble of negativity. And I don't want to be stuck in either one of them. So if you if you sense that you know you're kind of missing the point, you know, on a few things, point them out to me. I have no issue with that. I'll listen. But um, I'm gonna finish this podcast now with uh, an observation about some things. As you get older in life, I find myself, especially as I get older in life, you, you kind of have—I don't want to say an ability, but you have—you kind of have a sense of. Um, seeing patterns in things, seeing a repetition of certain events over time and how they turn out. And you see it in everything. You see it in, in, in your life. You see it in your job. You see it in, in your relationships. You see it in other people's relationships, you know. You see the things that, ooh, yeah, I wonder how that thing's going to turn out because last time it didn't turn out that good. I wonder if it's going to be the same. It happens everywhere, you know. And... Hopefully I'm wrong and hopefully all the things that I'm seeing towards the future are completely, uh, are being obscured by my own negativity. Hopefully it's as simple as that. I don't think it is. I think uh, having lived the life that I've lived, you, you tend to see some patterns in life, you know, how things kind of uh, repeat over time. And um, with that in mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close it down, shut it down for another episode. I uh, wish you guys all a, a good day. Thanks for listening. And uh, I'm going to play you out with uh, an underrated song. Probably a song most of you haven't heard. Mid-60s, late-60s. I don't remember exactly when it was uh, recorded. But um, this song, if you listen to the lyrics, uh, it says a lot. It was written by Paul Simon, and it's called Patterns. See you guys next week. Have a good one. through the trees and the light from a street lamp 
paints a pattern on my wall Like the pieces of a puzzle Or a child's uneven scroll Up a narrow flight of stairs In a narrow little room As I lie upon my bed In the early evening Impaled on my wall My eyes can dimly see The pattern of my life And the puzzle that is me From the moment of my birth To the instant of my death There are patterns I must follow Just as I must breathe each breath Like a rat in a maze The path before me lies And the pattern never alters on The rat dies The pattern still remains On the wall where darkness fell And it's fitting that it should For in darkness I must dwell Like the color of my skin Or the day that I grow old My life is made of patterns That can scarcely be controlled 